Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Uh, if you did not grab sermon notes uh, and you want to um, uh, have something to, to study and look at all this week, there's sermon notes by the, by the tables right there. Um, upstairs or some right there grab sermon notes we're going to jump through these and get into these and uh, it's going to be hopefully really good theoretically to be really good we'll see uh, here's what I want to do first I want to pray into something real quick I want to speak to it and then pray into it and I want you to hear me out so uh, this week with um, the decision from the Supreme Court I think that's an amazing victory yeah I think it's an amazing victory however I celebrate it. I celebrate it. Um, But we have an opportunity as a church to begin to... uh, Listen, we want the Holy Spirit speaking in service. We don't want Siri speaking in service. Whoever, I just heard a phone say, okay, so don't you hate it when you're having a conversation and suddenly your phone talks to you? Happens to me, and then I think, oh my gosh. Like, isn't it one of your greatest, one of my greatest fears is like, yeah, somebody's listening, whatever. It's just crazy stuff, you know. So anyways, anyways, sorry about that. Uh, so we have an opportunity to really listen to the Lord and grow in our capacity to not just not just think, oh, we, there's a legislation that, that glorifies God. I thank God for a legislation that glorifies God. But we're not here to create legislation. We're here to make disciples. And we're here to reach people. Legislations will be made, praise the Lord. But, but what happens is we need to be able to change people's hearts, bring them into relationship with Jesus, love them in the middle of their struggle, come, come alongside of them in ways. So that's what I want to pray into, that we as a church locally and globally will be able to do maybe things that we not, have not done before because sometimes we get blinded by things um, and we get a first down, but we think it's a touchdown. And, and so really, in my opinion, uh, the, the, the decision with the Supreme Court is a first down. It's not a touchdown. A touchdown for a Christian is making disciples changing people's hearts, coming alongside of them. And many of you have done this, uh, especially in that area. You've come alongside people who are wrestling and struggling and going through difficulties in life, and you don't just judge them. And you don't just, you don't just, you walk alongside of them to help process things and help be a support to them. And you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth in love, and you, you do it like, like Zach was saying. And that's what I honor about Zach and Alexa. They do have that relational thing down. And that's what we can learn from this younger generation is, is they, want relate, they want truth, but they want it in the context of relationship, not in the form of a lecture. Not in the form of a rule. They want it to be flesh and blood. And that's what we need to give them, an example. Because sometimes what we say or what we what we do doesn't match what we say. And people see that in our life and there's a conflict. And so if there's ever a discrepancy between what you're saying and what you're doing, people will always believe and their takeaway will be influenced more by what you do rather than what you say. And the church has said a lot but needs to do more, in my opinion. 
So, Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you for what I consider a victory. And I thank you, Lord, that by your spirit and through your people, that you empower us to be sensitive to help meet people, saved and unsaved, meet people right where they're at, have compassion and understanding, love them the way you would love us, and lead them the way you would lead us. So, Lord, help us, God. Help us not to compromise in our compassion and help us not to, um, to distance ourselves in unhealthy relationship because of a misunderstanding of truth. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to help at every single level, in every person, in every house, in the school, in the home. Help us be an answer to the confusion that is attacking a generation. Help us in love speak truth. And let our lives be the greatest example. Open up doors, share ideas. Holy Spirit, we just say yes to an invitation of how the world could see how good you really are. So invite us into what you want to do. And Lord, I pray that you forgive us for the selfish, prideful, arrogant, self-centered heart and the spiritless devotionless church attendance forgive us God for not seeking you with our whole heart, putting ourself at the center. So Lord, we pray a fresh breaking so that you can build. A humbling God so that you can exalt. Forgive us, God, for exalting ourselves. And I pray a spirit of brokenness, humility before you. Because knowing you, serving you, Lord, is our touchdown. And I just pray a fresh spirit of wisdom and revelation over every heart and every person here, everyone watching at home. And that there'd be a new appetite. Lord, give us a new appetite to see you, to know you, to hear you, to live for you, to, that our lives would glorify you, that our businesses would glorify you, that our families would glorify you, God. And that you would reach the world with your love through our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
No, I'm going to do this just to kind of use my pastoral pry bar. Some of y'all ain't going to like this, but I want you to get up out of your seat and go give a high five, a handshake, or a knuckles to about three or four people. Say, I'm so glad you're here. Then you can sit back down. If you're still talking, you're, you're too outgoing. You need to bring it back a notch. Draw it back in a notch. All right, so last week um, with Father's Day, we talked about, uh, um, you know, the affirmations of a father. Three times in the New Testament when the voice of God spoke out of heaven and was, was affirming, uh, you know, affirming Jesus and affirming the, the, the Son of God, but what I want you to realize, we're going to kind of, it's, it's really, I should have probably titled this The Affirmations of a Father Part 2. Uh, specifically on your page, I want to talk about how to activate the affirmations of our Heavenly Father. And how many of you, hopefully you enjoyed last week, especially with little Shane up here, so cute. Oh my goodness. How can something so cute come from parents like that? I don't know. I don't know how it happens. Maybe it's the mom, I don't know, but just so, so cute and uh, great, uh, a wonderful uh, illustration. So I want to unpack that a little bit further because, what we, listen, when you know how to activate the Word of God in your life, the affirmations, what God says, when you, when you learn how to activate that in your life, everything changes. See, things don't change, you change. And when you change, things will change. And you got to be willing to change in order to see things change. If you're not willing to change, but you're waiting for everything else to change, ain't nothing going to change. And so the change that needs to happen in your mind is to say, I'm going to change. And my change is going to be coming out of agreement with the false affirmations of the world, the false affirmations of the culture, the false affirmations of my friends, the false affirmations um, that give me a false identity from what I feel, what I feel like is true, what, what culture tells me is true, and coming into uh, uh, agreement we're saying, God, I'm going, to come, I'm going to come into and stand in and activate and develop the affirmations you have over my life. Then I'm going to walk in the reality of who you say that I am, who you have made me to be. Because when, when Jesus, when God spoke these three things in the New Testament we went over last week, when he spoke them to Jesus, get this, please get this. He spoke these things to Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the High Priest. He is God and He is the Son of God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay, so we are not the High Priest. We are not the King of kings. We are actually the kings that he is king over we are sons of God he is the son of God 
And so what's true of him is now true of all those who are in him by faith. So Jesus came to give us his relationship with the Father. Now, we're not Christ. We're not, we're not you know, um, we're joint heirs with him. And we have, that means we are joint heirs, we're co-inheritors with him. What is true of him, the Holy Spirit takes what is true of him and makes it known to us. So he gives us his relationship. So I want you to hear this and see this so you can activate it in your life. When the Holy Spirit, when the Father affirms out of heaven, speaks a word out of heaven and says, you are my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. And he speaks that over Jesus. If you are in Jesus, then he speaks that over you. Not because of you, but because Christ Jesus is in you. If you believe he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, and you believe that in your heart, you confess that with your mouth, Romans chapter 12, you call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And when you are saved, he comes to live inside of you. Without him, you are nothing and can do nothing. The whole movement in culture to promote self, to be godly or godlike, is a lie of the enemy that has been operating. The spirit of the Antichrist, the spirits of the Antichrist have been operating in the world for a long time. But the spirit of Christ operates through Jesus and those who put their faith in Jesus. So I want you to hear and see this today because I'm going to go through this list hopefully pretty fast because I don't want to just chase a bunch of rabbits on stuff, but who knows what the Lord has today. We'll see. But I want you to hear it from a perspective of if the Father says it over Christ Jesus and I'm in Christ Jesus, I need to hear the Father saying it over me. And when I hear that and learn how to activate that, Game changer. Game changer. Uh, matter of fact, knuckle your neighbors, or just, just nudge your neighbors and say, it's time something changes in your life. Look. Hey, I might not be preaching this to you, but I'm preaching it to somebody you know. Uh, so, I got it on your sheet there. I got it on your sheet. Look at Matthew 17, 5, right there in your notes. Um, and this is just the quoting from last week. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice, everybody say a voice, came out from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom, that's my God, you know, sound like Pee Wee Herman, but not God. Anyways, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. This is on the mountain of transfiguration. There's different times, three different times. I'm not going to go back over what I taught last week, but there's three different times a voice from heaven uh, came out and confirmed uh, Jesus. Remember, we confirmed his identity, his authority, and his destiny. We talked about that last week. Go watch it. And so what I want you to focus on is just how you can activate these affirmations, how you can take them, you know, and, and but notice this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So the first thing I want you to see is the voice of God affirms. Circle that word affirms. The voice of God affirms. The voice of God affirms the voice or the verse. The voice affirms the verse. The verse is scripture. The verse is the Bible. People who start saying, oh, I hear the voice of God, but they don't realize or they don't have relationship with scripture, that's dangerous. 
Oh, I hear the Spirit of God saying this. Well, you might be hearing a Spirit. But the only way to know if it's a Spirit of God is connected to the verse. So, so the next thing I want you to see is the verse of God confirms, and circle that word confirms, the voice. They work together. So if there's ever a time in my life where I'm struggling hearing the voice of God, I immerse myself more so in the verse of God. I go back to scriptures I read that, that I already know. I go back and I just, and, I, and when I'm reading, you know, I'm reading with an open heart and open ears. So that you hear me say all the time that the, that the, the word would leap off the page to you. So you're reading the verse of God to hear the voice of God. And you're hearing the voice of God and then you're confirming it with the verse of God. And, and the last thing, the victory of God. Did you know you, that Jesus has given you victory? I mean, has anybody told you there's victory in Jesus? You may be going through a battle. You may be going through a struggle. We all do. Um, and I love last night, by the way, Tina and her and her Kingdom Life School of Ministry had a bridegroom conference. And it was it was great all weekend. If you didn't come, I'm just telling you right now, you're still saved, but you missed it. It was an amazing uh, weekend. And last night. Uh, we just they just had a wonderful time of teaching and talking about being correctable and that 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 God will in his love and in his mercy. He actually can take some difficult, painful things um, about suffering. And even in times of suffering, he can speak to us and lead us. You can learn things. Um, and I'm not saying God like causes the suffering. I'm not going there with it. But in times of struggle, battle, attack, whatever, times when you're like, God, what's going on? What's happening? If you would, if you would not lose your focus during those times. See, sometimes what happens is it's all good when it's all good. But when troubles hit or problems hit or whatever, um, I'm, I got to just, I got I love this. Two people sitting on the front row taking notes. That's really cool. And then over here, <laughs> the angels of God are sitting. Don't you see them? If you don't see them, I don't. Uh, yeah. So um, if your neighbor is not taking notes, like your two people sitting next to you, yeah, nudge them and be like, you need to get saved. Okay. That's an encouragement to me. I love it. That's encouragement to me. So the reality of, of, of walking in this thing of, of knowing victory, that Jesus has come to give you victory, does not negate the battle that you go through. But when you go through the battle, you go through times or seasons of suffering or battle or struggle, whatever, you know he's bringing you out the other side, that he delivers you from all of it. He causes you to triumph. He brings you through and gives you victory. But victory, sometimes we misunderstand that. We think there is no battle, there is no struggle. And sometimes you go through the victory and the struggle just to confirm the victory that Jesus gave you before the struggle started. Because as a child of God, we never enter into a battle that Jesus has not already won. Never. So we go through it to demonstrate the victory. And that's why we can't get weary in well-doing. But the victory of God is activated. Say activated. By obedience. Circle that word obedience. The victory of God is activated by obedience to the verse and the voice of God. 
And that's why you have to be in relationship with both. God, I want to hear your voice, but I need to know it's your voice by knowing your verse. Because the voice sounds like the verse. And then the takeaway to know that you are actually hearing the voice of God and you are, you are submitted to the verse of God, the actual fruit of that is obedience. Not obedience to a law or to a rule, but obedience to a person who has a voice. You're not just obeying a law. See, if you only look at the verse, then you're going to obey a rule. You're just going to obey a rule. But when you realize that the verse is a description of the identity and the characteristic and the reality of a person that actually will speak a word to you, and his word will go right in line with his identity, and if his identity and his character is described by the verse, this is who he is, and this is what he says, so everything he says, which is a voice, comes out of who he is, and you can't separate that. Because God is not a man that he should lie. And so everything he says comes out of who he is, which means everything he is isn't everything he says. So it's not just obedience to a rule. It's obedience to a person in relationship of God, I love you. It's not that I agree with this rule that I shouldn't do this or that. It's God, I love you. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I love you. And so obedience is relational. It's not obligation. It's relational. And so it's always motivated by love. And it activates victory in your life. So the first thing I want you to see is this. This is my beloved son, that phrase. And, and if you have your Bible, look in, in Psalm chapter 2, because that's what he's quoting from. It's, it's this is my beloved son, and this is what he, the first thing is this. This is what he says to us. Let me, let me say this first before we look at Psalm 2. This is, because there's two things I'm going to show you. What he says to us and what we say to him out of these affirmations and how to activate these affirmations. And the first thing I want you to see is what he says to us. What he's saying to us is I choose you. Not just I chose you, but I choose you. What is the Spirit of God saying through his voice that is, that is um, releasing the truth of the verse? What is he saying by saying, this is my beloved son? What is he saying? He's saying no matter what's going on, remember this, I choose you. No matter what's going on, I choose you. Out of all the noise, hear this. Out of all the distractions, hear this. Do you realize that you have been chosen by God? Some of you are sitting in here this morning in this large crowd thinking nobody sees me, nobody knows me. Pastor John hadn't come over and said hey to me. Get out of your selfish, immature mindset Grow up and realize that the creator of heaven and earth has chosen you. Make that a reality in your life. And Psalm 2, I love what it says. I'm going to read this whole thing because it's bad to the bone. I love Psalm 2. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, which that means Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us, meaning they ain't going to control us. 
For he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. You know, your Bible says in Ephesians that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're with him. So he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord shall hold them in derision. I hate that word. Somebody say it for me. Derision. There you go. Um, And he shall speak to them in his wrath, his distress, uh, and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill on Zion, and I will uh, decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. This is what he's quoting when he's standing on the mountain of transfiguration. So when God spoke out of heaven, each time he was quoting scripture. The voice of God always matches the verse of God. If you're speaking for God, but you're not sharing scripture, I don't care how prophetic you think you are. You're not declaring the voice of God unless it's supported by the verse of God. And how many of you study the Bible? We need to protect and we need to know the Bible. Great. I'm so glad you're in the verse of God. But make sure you hear the voice of God. Because it's the living word. And I don't remember where I I stopped. So, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Verse 8, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss, that means worship the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled uh, but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. So this is what he was quoting. And the reason I read the whole chapter, I'm not going to do this every time, is because when in, in, in the culture in which Jesus lived, and even earlier and a little bit later, when, when somebody in a synagogue or whatever quoted, you know, like we would say, turn to Psalm chapter 2, they, would not, we didn't, they didn't have chapter and verses. They had the scrolls that were kept in the synagogues, and they would have memorized these scrolls and memorized large portions of them. And so when somebody said, you know, uh, you know the, like we would say this way, you know what Psalm chapter 2 says, they would, they would say, um, you, are my, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And they would know the section, or he who sits in the heavens last, and they would know that it's not just about that one line in a verse. It's about the whole narrative that that verse is supporting. So all the hearers that heard the voice come out of heaven and say this, this is, this is what they would have heard. They would have understood Oh, in the middle of all this confusion, in the middle of all this cultural confusion, God has installed his anointed one. And this, it's like, hey, everybody focus up. This is my beloved son. So come out of that. Whatever the that is that's distracting you, step up into this. This is my son. It's about focus. It's about focus. And then uh, I like how Ephesians 1 and 2, and you don't have to read this, but Ephesians 1 and 2 is so funny last night. The teacher last night at the conference almost did the same thing that I had already written out to do was about go through the book of Ephesians. 
So I love how you'll see on your notes that the truth that I'm sharing is kind of mirrored in the in the book of Ephesians. You can go read that on your own. But what Ephesians 1 and 2 says is says these three truths that I want you to get. You can go read it on your own. It says he chooses to accept us, that he chooses to accept us. He chooses to acquit us. That means forgive, acquit us. Do you realize in Christ you've been acquitted? You've been forgiven? He chooses to accept us. He chooses to acquit us, and he chooses to anoint us. That means empower us for a purpose. He is the anointed one. We are the anointed ones. I want you to see that. He is the anointed one. And we are the anointed ones, like the smaller anointed ones, carrying his anointing, carrying his power. That means he's empowered us supernaturally for his purpose. He will not empower you for your purpose. God, the Bible does not teach you to get a purpose. The Bible teaches you to submit and surrender your life to his purpose. So he, cho he chooses to accept us, acquit us, uh, and anoint us. And I just want you to get that in your heart, that you are accepted in the Lord. And, and because he accepts you, he acquits you. And because he accepts you and acquits you, he anoints you. It means he doesn't leave you where you are. People stop on the acceptance part. Well, God has accepted me. God has accepted me. And they still live in what he acquitted them of. Which means they're not living in what he anointed them for. They're still living in what they were forgiven of. Which means they have no idea how to walk in what they were anointed for. Acceptance is always for anointing. Not to have you just sit back in what he saved you from. Does that make sense? So our response, we should say to him, we should say to him, I choose you. But not with just our lips. It's great to say it with your lips, but you need to say it with your life. Obedience, action, be doers of the word. So your actions say, I choose you. All of us, there's not one of us here who wouldn't say, Pastor John, I agree. In a moment of, of whatever, that yes, I choose you, Lord. I choose, here's, I could go this way, I could do this thing, or I could do this thing. I could do it your way, God. So all of us would say, yes, God, I choose you. I choose you, Lord. That's the right thing to say. That's the godly thing to say. I'm not right now talking about what you say superficially with your mouth. What I'm talking about is what do you say with your actions? When you want to go back into sin and go back into whatever, let your actions make a declaration. Let your actions speak. And you may be being pulled by your emotions and by your circumstances and by chemicals in your brain. You're being pulled one way, but your spirit being... See, your brain controls your body, your mind controls your soul, but your spirit controls all of you. So a spiritual anointing and empowerment rises up to say, brain, you're going to listen to me. Emotions and mind, you're going to listen to me. Then we are going to do this instead of doing, we're going to do what God wants instead of doing what 
I want. And listen, I, people say, Pastor, why are you so mad? I'm not mad. I'm just passionate because I know when I got this in my life, things started changing. When this becomes a real thing in your life and you start taking action, because action is activating, when you take action, things will change. And then you'll be like, whoa, Pastor John, this happens all the time. Pastor John, I don't know. what. It's just things have been changing. Your sermons are getting so much better. Well, Lord, let's keep praying for that. But the reality is that it's not the sermons getting better. It's you're taking action. And when you take action, you're coming on up to another level. So we got to choose him. You want to choose your way or God's way? And then when you flip over on your notes and you look at these next two, and I'm going to go through these pretty fast. The second part of the phrase is, whom I am well pleased. He's quoting from Isaiah 42. You just go look at Isaiah 42. Go read. I'm not even going to look at that right now and pull that up. Go look at Isaiah 42. It's the thing of this, my son and who I'm a, I delight. And that's what he's, he's quoting from. He's quoting from Isaiah 42, which is all talking about the prophetic servant of God. Like it's prophesying about Jesus hundreds of years before he exists, and it's all about the servant of God. Go read Isaiah 42. But what he's saying in this comes out of, like, I, I think Ephesians chapter 3 when you read it, and it, what it declares is his love. Well, the first thing is he says to us, I love you. That's what he's saying to us. I love you. Now, the problem is we don't understand love, we think love is an emotion. Oh, God, I love you, too. It feels so good, so warm and fuzzy. Oh, so good. No, he's not saying, oh, I love you. He's saying, in spite of you, in spite of your nakedness, in spite of your wretchedness, I realize that you were born as a slave to sin, and you are not, you, you were hijacked, you were, you were kidnapped from my original plan for you. And I love you and your condition right now is horrible. And I have come to redeem you. So I'm not saying I love you because you're worthy of my love. He's saying I love you. See, see we are not worthy of God's love, but God's love makes us worthy. And he says, I love you. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. It's agape love. I love you. Now, we can't take the love of God. Oh, God loves me so I can live any way I want to live. You've totally missed the point. You've, made, you've taken God's love and put yourself at the center. But when you truly walk in God's love, there's selflessness and he's at the center. God's love always exalts him, never you. When you walk in a healthy relationship with the love of God, Jesus is always exalted. Not you. Not self. Not God, if you love me, you'd be okay with me living this way or doing this thing. That's not the love of God. The love of God is I love you and you're killing yourself. And I love you enough to tell you. That's the love of God. And so Ephesians 3 breaks this down. His love will touch us. It will literally touch you. Some of you, what you need from God and from His Spirit is to actually feel and sense the love of God. Not just read about it, not just hear about it, not just agree with it mentally. It's not mental acknowledgement. You need to open up your heart in order to feel the love of God of God to where you cry, you weep, and you're like, what's happening to me? Oh my gosh, what's happening to me? You are being touched 
with the love of God. His love will touch you and you'll never be the same. His love will teach you. Once you walk in a revelation of of a love of God that has touched you, now his love will teach you. His love will teach you. And the third one is his love will transform you. His love will transform you. His rules do not transform you, but his love will. There's so many other scriptures I want to go into, but for sake of time, I'm going to skip on. So the last one is hear him. Hear him. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. The last phrase is hear him. And so Deuteronomy 18, uh, verse 5, starting in verse 15. I want you to see this because this is huge. And then I'm going to tie all this together. Because what he says is, I will use you. I will use you. Like, I will use you. I will use, I will use you to glorify my name. And to reach people. I will use you for my purpose. There's no greater thing that can happen in this life or any other life. There is no greater thing you could do. You could win the lottery. You could build a multi-million dollar business. You could, you could invent something. You could, um, uh, you could travel and find a new destination, something that has never been touched by, by man. You could discover something new. You could, you, could do, you could end world hunger. You could bring world peace. But that doesn't even compare to what it means of eternal significance to be used by God for God's purpose. There is no greater cause, there is no greater cause on this planet than Christ. And we got young people trying to go and do this cause and trying to go do this cause and do this thing. And the greatest cause you could ever do to bring justice and, and, and everything that that speaks of is the Great Commission. Boy, that could be a whole other sermon. All right, Deuteronomy 18. Let me look there. Promise you I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about ending. Deuteronomy 18, look at verse 15. The Lord, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me. Those, oh, gosh. Just, I, it's so hard. I could teach hours on this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. From from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. That's quoting, hear him. That's what he's speaking to. And according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb that day, that's when he gave the Ten Commandments, at the assembly saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. Verse 18, So I will raise up for them a prophet like you, meaning like Moses, um, from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. That's what he's talking about when he's affirming, the, his, his voice is affirm, affirming the word. Uh, he's speaking scripture. And, and what he's saying is, he's saying this thing, I will use you. 
I will use you as a prophet. I will use you. I'll put my words in your mouth. And when you look at Ephesians chapter 4 all the way through Ephesians 6, too much to, to talk about right now, but the three things that you need to know is His Word will prepare you. His Word will prepare you to be used by God. If you're not in the Word of God, you are not prepared to be used by God. His armor... Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of the Lord, the armor of God. His armor will protect you, protect us, and His Spirit will empower us. And there's more I could say, but I just want to give you three things to, to grab hold of so that you, you have this thing in your heart of, I want to activate the affirmation of my Father by being in the verse, by listening to the voice, by knowing that He's speaking over me. Knowing that I hear my heavenly Father say, because of Jesus, not because of me, because of Jesus. There was nothing good in me, it was all in Jesus. And so that now that I'm in Jesus, He speaks to Jesus and to me, saying, you are my son, my beloved son, and who I'm well pleased. Guys, that's our starting point, not our ending point. That's where we start from. We run with that. We go with that. I don't know how your dad was. My dad hardly, he never came to any of my ball games. I remember one football game, he came to me when I was really young, and man, I was bad to the bone. I was breaking ankles and doing stuff, juking, whatever. I was like, it's like, catch the ball, ready to go. I was awesome at football. I love football. I just run, run, force, run. That's what I did. But the one game I remember, my dad's countenance and everything before the game is kind of like, we'll see. We'll see how good you are. And I felt like I was on trial. And I had to perform to get a praise from my father. And I broke ankles that ball game and I didn't get anything from him. Matter of fact, he, when I got done, he was already in the car and gone and said, and, and, and told my mom, take him home. Never heard a word about it. Your heavenly father doesn't wait for you to do the thing well and then say, well done. What he says at the beginning is, you are my beloved son, and in you, doesn't mean in everything that you're doing. He's not pleased with everything you do. But he's pleased, he's pleased with you. And when you know he's pleased with you, then everything you do will try to please him. But if you don't know you're pleased, you'll try to live in performance, trying to earn what God has already given you for free. Trying to prove yourself instead of just trusting, I am who he says I am. And now I'm going to grow into that, just like little Shane had to grow into those shoes and grow into that jacket. You grow into it by pleasing God. Worship team, go ahead and come on up. And so we say to him, we say to him, I will be used by you. Man, what a powerful statement. I will be, be used by you. And here's, here's what that means. He says, I'll raise up one from among you. You know what God does? I see it happen in this church. I see it happen all over. And when I go to Mexico, I see it happen. Here's what God does. He takes one. Because remember, he raises up one from among you. So what he does is when he's looking into a group of people, and I don't care what the group of people is. It could be a high school. It could be a middle school. It could be business. It could be family. It could be a cultural thing. Here, it, could be, it could be a bar. It could be whatever. Here's what God does. 
he finds one from among them. He finds one within your family. He finds one from among them, and he speaks. And all it takes is one. And one from among them, he'll raise up. He'll raise up through a process. Some of you are in that process right now. He'll raise you up and he'll put his words in your mouth and use you as a prophet to that family, to that business, to that group, to that school. One from among them. The danger or the difficulty of being the one that is among them, that God is raising up to represent him, is nobody likes it. You get rejected, you get misunderstood, you get abandoned, you get persecuted. And what I'm telling you is, focus on the affirmations of your father. Don't focus on the rejection of the people. You focus. Some of you have been, God has reached you in your family, and you're waiting for the rest of the family, like, what's wrong with y'all? How long is it going to take? Some of you have friends and neighbors and different people, especially in this culture, that you have been walking with God and you have a call of God on your life and you feel like you've been speaking and you've been praying and you've been saying, guys, come on, let's follow him. Let's go this way. And they think you're crazy. They think you've lost your mind. They think you're weak. They think you're pathetic because they think they're strong. They think they're strong. But you know strength. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so you have to stand with him, still being raised up, still focusing on him, listening to his words over your life, walking in obedience, not allowing the distraction of the people that God is, the people that God is calling you to lead, start off by trying to lead you away. And if you let them lead you away, you will never have the privilege of leading them. I've had people in my life that rejected me, made fun of me, thought I was crazy, and not just from my past life, even in church life. And they've come back 10, 20, 25 years later as I still walk with Jesus. He's still raising me up. i got a lot more hype to go. He's still raising me up. And if you keep doing it and you don't stop, you keep doing it and you don't quit, you keep listening to the Father and you don't quit, you focus on Him instead of them. And know that when they're rejecting you, they first rejected Him. 20, almost 30 years later, people coming to me. Saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I treated you that way. I was blind. I was weak. I was selfish. But watching your life even from a distance started out being a critic, and then I came suspicious, and now I'm curious, and now I'm a student. The people who are rejecting you most right now could be the ones you'll have the best opportunity to lead later. Get your focus off of yourself. Get your focus off of them. And lift your eyes to Jesus. Not to be religious. We don't need goofy religious. Goofy religious. 
Fluffy religion does not work. Relationship with Jesus works. To trust Him. And that last scripture on there is your homework. Joshua 1, verse 8. The three bolded words are really simple. You take His law, which that word law means instruction, which means His word, His, his verse that releases the voice. You take His law, His instruction, and you put it in your mouth. You put it in your mind and your heart. And you put it in your actions and you do it. And when you do those three things, you will make your way prosperous and successful. You're waiting on God to increase you, God to lead you, God to empower you, God to do this and God to do that. Listen, He's already done it. It's time for you to take action. And if you will believe what He says over you, and begin to put His Word in your mouth, put His Word in your mind and in your heart, and put His Word in your actions by doing it, your life and your family's life will change. It may not change everything today or tomorrow, but it'll change. It'll change. And if you don't do that, you can keep coming to church. Your Sunday routine may not change, and neither will your life. But if you do these things and take action, everything will change. Everything will change. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.